28 uh, minutes after 11 o'clock. My pleasure to welcome back to the show Richard Abair, Abair's Garden Center. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Jeff, good morning. It's hard not to be doing well with weather like this. Uh, indeed. Going to be more my kind of weather uh, as the week progresses. Uh, yeah. Temperatures in the mid to upper 80s. And yeah. Then level off a little bit to the mid 80s throughout much yeah. of next week. But uh, I don't mind this. I, I, yeah, I'm not yeah, it's going to get a little warmer than "quote unquote" normal, uh, and uh, or whatever. As soon, I guess soon normal is going to change big time. But as of right now, I'll take it. I know it's going to get a little warmer, but at least the nighttime temperatures are going to dip down. It's it's kind of I, I envision this kind of more of, of 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 the northern part of the country, right? Y'all get really hot during the day, like us sometimes, but then y'all drop down, and we don't do that. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to be kind of, yeah, might be 87, 88, and then in the 60s at night. So you're right. We can handle that. No no doubt. Um, I trust uh, things are, yeah, it's, it hasn't really rained all that much lately, and there's not much in the forecast over the next week. But uh, the cooler weather helping at least? Yeah, absolutely. People are st- finally starting to get out. And, and because of the cool temperatures, we're able to feel you know, fill the nursery with, uh, with with the cool season type plants. And so, yeah, you can get them in the ground and uh, you are going to have to water, but it, it's not like it was in the summertime. You tried to plant in the summer, Jeff, which very few people did, and I, and I get it. Uh, it was very difficult because you had to water, and if you missed a watering, you know, good night. Whereas right now, you do have to water, but you don't have to water as much. And if you miss a watering, it doesn't mean the, you know, the plant's going to die on it. It's just going to struggle. So, there's a big difference between, you know, 100 degrees and highs, you know, 87, 88, 89, even 90. Big difference. And, uh, and again, like I said, those temperatures will cool off. So it's not like it's extended where you're going, you get highs at, uh, at 100 degrees, Jeff. And, you know, at night it's 90 degrees. So it's, um, it, it is a big difference. And I know the people understand that because uh, people are moving around. They're getting out and they're just tired of looking at, you know, dead dying plants and they they want to revamp it gotcha you brought um, some plants well but yeah there? i did i brought some plants but uh this one's what i want to talk about we just got these in jeff you do you remember what these were i'm showing jeff a, a plant bare root just has these little scraggly roots and uh doesn't have much of a top to it but the leaves are going to be coming out after you uh do it and this is actually bare root strawberries. Oh, okay. And so these I, are. I had forgot. Yeah. Does it have a scent to? Mm, something seems might to. Might be something else in here. Might I, be the cat. I, I'll look and see. Yeah. Uh, the what? The cat. The, the chair. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even see the cat. <laughs> it's been so good. It just, just sat there throughout uh, Freddie's conversation. And oh, you're right. Just, just chill. Most, most of my audience I do put to sleep like that. I noticed that. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so this is bare root strawberries. And so when are most of my strawberries showed, uh, sold, Jeff? It's in the spring. When is the best time to plant it? Is it for most things? It's in the fall. And the people who planted last fall, you know, people say, oh, my God, you planted and you got that, uh, you know, 20-degree teen weather in December around Christmas time. It does not affect the leaves at all. So the plants did fine. Now, if you're in a container or something like that, you may want to protect the container because the container itself could freeze. But in a ground, in a raised bed, they did fine. The people who planted in the fall actually started making strawberries in February. And the reason, that's really early. Normally, it's it's middle or end of March. But the reason that occurred is because, one, they were planted in, in, in October, November, 
uh, they rooted, they grew. And then January was very mild and actually almost spring-like. And so they really grew, and they started flowering. So where you got to worry about the strawberries um, uh, in, in terms of cold weather is not the plant itself, is the flowering itself. But we never got any any cold weather till I want to I think it was like the middle of March. It got down to around 32. So January and February where it was very warm. So these actually started producing in February. The advantage to that is. The people who planted in the fall produced in February, they produced in March, they produced in April, they produced in May. Once temperatures started getting hot, they less production. So you can see where I'm going, Jeff. You plant these things in March, they're not going to start producing till May, and boom, that's it. So you're going to have basically three, four, five weeks of production, and whereas the people who plant in the fall will get three or four months of production. So what goes in the ground? So what Jeff is basically looking at is just some brown tendrils, I guess I'd call them, and that is the root system. And then the, the top is this upper part, this kind of greenish part is called the crown. And then above the crown is the little sticks, which is the leaves. And I see, I see why you look confused because this could look like roots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, uh, but no, it's the brown part is the roots. And actually what you do is you put these in the ground and you spread these roots out. And then you pack it in, and you leave the crown above the soil. Okay. That's critical. If you bury that crown, they will rot. We will dip ours in a fungicide. When the customer comes by, we'll dip them in a fungicide to prevent root rot, and that helps a lot too. But you do want to put them in a great, uh, in a situation where the beds are raised. If you go to Pachatula, they got just like these cane rows. They're real high rows, and they put them on top of the rows. And and uh, and they have a little sandy soil, so they get better drainage than we down here. Our soils are high in clay, so they don't do well. They, they don't plant them like that, do they? They do. They're, they're planting the same thing. They do. They plant. We get we got ours out of LSU, so really good varieties. I'm not sure the variety we just got them in yesterday, but last year was Camarosa. Some years they'll change them, but it's a uh, it's do, a. Do they have to do that by hand? In terms of planting, yeah. You know, that's a good question. I think they do. I think they uh, again. I think they set behind a tractor a platform, and they'll do two rows at a time, planting on either side. Uh, but maybe that's changed. But I think they plant them by hand. I really oh. do. And uh, but they just keep moving, and uh, they may have something that makes maybe drills the hole, and they pop them in the hole, cover them, and they just keep moving. But anyway, uh, good drainage is important. So raised beds are fantastic for this. Containers are fantastic. So people forget that. Wow, uh, yeah, never thought a beautiful hanging bed. You think about the leaves of a strawberry plant are very pretty, oh, yeah. glossy and green. And then you combine that, them hanging, let's say, out of a pot or a hanging basket, and you combine that with the flowers, white flowers. Then the flowers make a red fruit. So it makes a great basket, great for kids to say, hey, Mom, I'm going to go harvest. It doesn't climb. What, what, no. You know it, where it, I'm going here. That, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. You go and you have a space to fill. Uh, but the, uh, the strawberries will actually, they vine, but they don't climb. Gotcha. And, uh, and so they're spreaders. And you space these about 18 inches apart, and uh, they do, again, they do phenomenally well. If you have some spots or have some containers, you can direct seed them, direct plant them in the ground. Now, what we're going to do, Jeff, is in about, uh, we'll sell them bare root for about a week. And so if you want to buy them, that's the way to buy them. You want to buy them relatively inexpensive. They're like 79 cents a, a plant. Um, then... And, and, and really, that's how they plant them. So they plant like that. But then what we'll do, because they're going to start to dry out, we'll take the remainder. We'll, we'll get, you know, 
1,500 plants. We'll take the remainder, and we'll, we'll plug them in the 4-inch containers. So as soon as they, they plugged in a 4-inch container, they become more expensive because of the labor, the soil, the containers, and all that. And really and truly, in about two to three weeks, they're going to leaf out beautifully, and they'll start filling the pot out. And by February, when we'll start to sell the bulk of them, although people are starting to catch on, Jeff, and, and they're starting to realize, and they'll still come in. And last year I was almost out before the end of the year. Uh, but uh, they will actually have flowers and fruit on them. And so just kind of a neat, neat idea. Again, uh, you don't, it doesn't take a lot of space. A container, anything like that will work really, really well. Keep in mind, strawberries are perennials. So technically, what you do is you could you let them grow all summer long, although they did struggle this summer because of the dry and the oh, heat. The heat yeah. And uh, they won't produce in the summer. They just stay green. And then what we tell people is to, at this point of the season, when temperatures are cooler, mid to late October, November, you actually dig the plants up, and then you end up with a bunch of these little bare root plants, and then you replant them. Now, so you don't leave them in. You don't leave them in. You want to kind of, you, you need to actually uh, harvest the, the, the crop, the plants themselves, and then break, then cut the plants, separate them, so you have a bunch of these little bare roots. Now, if you're just planting a few, if cost is not the issue, it's always better to start with new plants. Where where, where money matters in, in uh, Ponchatoula, where, where it's a cash crop, they will actually start with new plants every year, and that's strictly because of uh, humidity. They need to produce. They need, they need, they to, need pr- to produce. They need maximum production, and so they know that uh, the cost of a plant is, and replanting is, is going to pay off every year because of increased production. But if that's not critical, you can certainly keep them for two or three years using the same plant, and they will produce. They just won't produce as much. But if you're dealing with three or four plants, you know, it, it shouldn't matter that much. So you can uh, – let them keep going, and they will perform very, very well. Jumping now to the lawns, Jeff. Lawns are starting to recover. It's getting dry again. I hate to say if you can water a little bit, go ahead and water a little bit. Uh, once a week, uh, you know, a, a heavy dose of water would help you, although it's not as critical as it was this summer. Uh, winterization is important this year, but, again, uh, now we're going to have to wait for a rain. We got a rain about a week ago. And just a slight chance today, and now that the clouds have moved back out, I wonder if they won't remove that. Uh, but then again, not till Wednesday. That's right. And again, just a 20%. 20%. Chance. So you want to kind of watch it. We don't want to stress it out, but, you know, kind of get ready. And if you can uh, uh, go ahead and get that done, that's fine. Really not no bug issues at this point uh, because of the cool temperatures and no disease issues at this point because of the uh, no rain and no humidity. So it's kind of arid. It's been kind of arid. So really, no, you know, there's nothing you need to spray or anything like that. It's, it would be the winterization you want to do. And if you can't water, you're just going to have to wait for uh, that we get a little rain, and then you should be okay. Um, just kind of look, you know, a lot, we, we, you know, a lot of stuff struggled in the, uh, in the heat, and lots of died off, trees died off, limbs. I'm, I'm saying, I'm talking to people who come in the store, and it looks like the monkey grass had died off. There may be some green underneath. I don't know, Jeff. But, you know. At this point, you got time to, 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 uh, to wait and see. I would, however, when it comes to the dead monkey grass, it's just brown, cut that off. Go ahead and cut it off and see what you got. And if you got any kind of green underneath, I think it's going to come back. But you do want to you do want to get rid of it because it will decay and then just start to basically uh, you know decompose on top 
of the soil, but you need to thin that out. So just kind of either weed eat it or thin it out and see what you got. Same thing with the lily of the Niles that browned up. You want to get all that, all that uh, you know, dead, decaying uh, leaves and cut them back and, and thin them out and uh, just kind of do a little, um, you know, uh, close examinations of the landscape and prune out anything dead and just kind of clean it up and then see what you got left. Obviously, now is a great time to replant a lot of stuff. If you don't know, say, hey, it might make it, might not, then just hang in there, and, and then the spring is right around the corner. You know, I was in Church Alley yesterday, saw a row of hedges or bushes, I don't know what you'd call them. It can be one and the same, I guess. A hedge is a bush. Yep. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and most of them, and maybe there were 10 in a row, kind of semi-circle. Like two of them were deader than. Mm-hmm. How, how does that happen? That two in a set of ten. The other ones looked fantastic. Right. Then you had two, and they weren't next to each other. Right, looked dead. Right. You know, I always say, Jeff. You know, little differences make di- big difference when it comes to plants, and it could be something as simple as maybe those were planted too deep or too high. So if it's too high, and let's say, you know, you you plant 10, you could easily plant all of them pretty close to the same. Maybe one was elevated a little bit too much. So when you go through a summer that we went to, boom, uh, you know, that's going to be the first to go because the roots are more exposed. Or the reverse, you plant one too deep, and you get a tremendous amount of rain, and you have problems. So that's one issue. Another issue could have been a little bit more, you know, a little bit more fertilizer around a certain couple plants, and that could have caused problems. Uh, how thick the mulch is. Again, little differences make big differences. Uh, uh, Jeff, I've seen situations after cold weather uh, that I'm looking at a house, and on the left side they had, uh, and what I'm thinking of right now is the sago palms that really took a hit in the, in the cold weather uh, the last two or three years. Uh, and I see one sago palm brown to, on the left side, brown, 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 and the other one fine. And so you got to look at why. And in that case, is one was facing the north wind, one was on the south, one was uh, near the house, and just got that little extra protection, and boom, it was fine. Little differences make big differences. And 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 usually, what happens, Jeff, is that if you can if you can catch it when it first starts happening, in other words. If you could start to see that plant start to die back and deal with the issue or add more mulch or add more water or whatever, uh, sometimes you can solve the problem. But, like, in, in that situation, it's a commercial situation. Very seldom, you know, people will actually deal with that issue till it's till it's brown and gone. So, uh, it, it's, it's you know, you know, I always said my job is tougher than a, than a, a, a physician's job in the sense that, the physician can ask some questions, and the and the and the uh, and the person will respond. Whereas us, we got to examine that plant and try to figure out what's going out without it responding. It talks to you, but it talks to you like you just said. You know, it's brown. I'm dead. Uh, but but if you start watching it early, you will get indications early on. Okay, what is an issue? You know, why is that occurring? Uh, but yeah, that's that's not that unusual, Jeff. You know, and you know. People plant a bunch of plants, and all you know, out of twenty plants, they'll lose two. It's just not that unusual, you know. And it could be the the plant too, you know. It could be maybe the plant was didn't have as much roots on that one, or maybe the roots were taken out 
more than the other plants when they were planted. A lot of issues, but that's kind of the short and long of it. I wish I would have taken a photo because it really just stood out uh, so weird. Yeah, and you say, hey, how, how could that happen? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. you brought with you. Yeah, many I bought plants. A, I bought a few different plants, and, and I did want to talk a little bit about ground cover plants and uh, maybe oh, some. You of, know, I love ground cover. Yeah, some of the more unique ground covers, though. You know, we, we see a lot of uh, you know <clears throat> Asian jasmine, lantana, verbena, liriope, monkey grass. That's more commons, common ground covers, but there are some unique ones that actually perform uh, really, really well. And <clears throat> the first one I want to show you is one called Wedelia. And it comes and with flowers. It does. It makes a yellow flower. You can see these a lot of under uh, under oak tree. You don't see a lot of them because people don't know much about them. But they do very, very well. They can get kind of thick. And so the, the leaves that Jeff are looking at are, are, are not as uh, as dense as, as maybe monkey grass. It's kind of dense. This is more open. And, and uh, so you do have to maintain a little bit in terms of maybe once a year you kind of cut it back to get it more even but it'll get about uh, two feet tall again make these uh yellow flowers perennial come back from year to year and uh, does it die out i mean it, like, it, do it, the leaves die yeah it, it would it would have to get extremely cold and nine times out of ten it comes back so a normal frost or 30 uh 32 31 28 not a problem at so all weather cooperating it'll be green year it, it'll be green year gotcha. round and uh and spread and uh can I tolerate some sun it seems to perform better in the shade, especially with the heat situation we're getting now, uh, because it just doesn't dry out as much. So it does have a, a, a good shade tolerance. So it's great from under a tree, and just uh, it performs really, really well. And it kind of polices itself by not spreading too far if it doesn't do well in the sun. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. Um, and and uh, another one that's kind of catching on is uh, – uh, one called Ligardia. It's called it's a leopard plant. It makes these big. I didn't bring it in because it's too big, but it makes these big, uh, glossy leaf plants, probably around twelve inches in uh, in diameter. Really glossy. There's some under the shadows of the tesh, tesh uh, uh, where the people go to uh, meet across the street from the shadows. There's some under those the trees. visitor center. The visitor center and. Uh, and so you would just mass plant them. But if you don't mass plant them, if you place them three feet apart, in, now they do need shade. They look very tropical, Jeff, in the sense that you would think, boy, man, when the winter comes, it's going to burn it back. Now, this winter, it did burn them back for the first time I've seen them, but they came back. And uh, so, but nine times out of ten, they're going to stay green year. They make a, a, a green year round, and they make a little yellow spiky flower uh, that does really, really good. And uh, or looks really good. Where did you say they are around the visitor center? The visitor center, around those oak trees in the visitors at the visitor center. Okay, the, those relatively young oak trees, probably twenty years old. Yeah, I'll and, take a uh, look. And uh, uh, do do remarkably well and uh, very very hardy. Uh, an, another one is called a juga. I don't. I didn't have any to bring in, but a juga has these really pretty leaves and makes these little blue flowers. Uh, they will spread, stay very low, only get about four inches tall. They they do need a lot of bed work, meaning that you want to make sure that the uh, the soil is loose so they can spread. Although they do spread on top of the ground, they root on top. They don't have to go underneath like some plants, like monkey grass, kind of goes underneath and comes up. It spreads on top. Uh, the only drawback to a juga is that uh, it does need shade and it does need good drainage. So if it's a shady area that just stays kind of damp and wet, they won't perform very well. But, again, a unique ground cover. I recommend a juga for smaller areas 
not these huge, massive uh, uh, under, uh, uh, undertakings like, you know, uh, those other ones I mentioned could could do well in there. Only because it can be temperamental because of moisture. So I'd hate to see if we could plant a bunch of it and all of a sudden, you know, half the spot dies. And So just use small areas and make sure it's a good sandy soil that will drain really good. And they actually perform very, very well. Uh, another one is called indigo. Don't have that here. It was too bi- too uh, big to bring in. And uh, indigo makes a pink flower. Again, that'll actually go in sun or shade. Uh, spreads gets about two feet tall though, so it's a it's a it's a taller ground cover and uh, uh, but actually does extremely well. Not as temperamental. It does need some bed work, but actually grows really really well and and performs well. Keep in mind, you know. People many times come in, Jeff, and, and, and they, they need a ground cover, and they kind of, uh, kind of have in their mind, okay, well, monkey grass and all that. And uh, just remember, any, any plant that, you, that will cover the soil and spread uh, doesn't need to multiply. Uh, is a great ground cover. And obviously, if it to, for me to be a ground cover, it can't be much more than two feet tall. Uh, then we're talking about just shrubs. But a mass planting of something like a, you know, a gardenia, a dwarf gardenia, or azaleas, mass planted, will perform very well. Well, even lily of the Niles that uh, will come underground as a mass planting is a great ground cover. Uh, daylilies are great ground covers. And, of course, you know, you have ferns and, like, the common ferns and monkey grass and jasmine and all that, liriope. All that does extremely well, too. But if you want something different, keep in mind you can use shrubs to make ground covers. The, the big mistake you've got to watch for is especially when you're taking a ground cover and going into the sun. The biggest issue with that is you want to make sure that the ground cover gets thick enough and – and doesn't allow seeds to germinate within it. And the more common problem is monkey grass in the sun and liriope uh, in the sun. Those are, the, are probably the most pronounced ground covers that we see. They're green, they're hardy, but they can be a nightmare in the sun. And the reason why is that a lot of the seeds will blow into the, into the uh, monkey grass and germinate within it. So sometimes in sun, we kind of try to steer people away from monkey grass as a mass plant. Not that it won't perform very well and do well, but it does have, uh, uh, you know, issues in terms of seeds getting within it. And, you, it, and usually what ends up happening, Jeff, it looks bad more than it ever looks good because of that sunshine. Well, you just don't have that problem with the weeds, especially the weeds that cause the problem, such as Bermuda. Uh, in the in the shade, you know, they just don't grow as as tremendously. So you usually have much more success in terms of maintenance end of it with monkey grass. Uh, so you just you just want to make sure if you do want it as a ground cover, sw- such as a dwarf azalea or a dwarf gardenia, that you put them close enough together so that they can meet one another and perform that uh, and uh, and have this low canopy that'll that'll just be thick and won't allow the weeds to come through. So and, you know, you know, when do you use a ground cover? When do you just use a spacing? It's really more to do with design and, and looks more than anything uh, and or performance. Like you get under these oak trees, Jeff, sometimes that's all you can do is do these ground covers strictly because nothing else really performs that well uh, uh, without a lot of bed maintenance. So just kind of look for that and, and, and be aware that there are a lot of options when it comes to planting a – uh, a, a ground cover type bed 
you just want to be aware of how much sun you're getting and how thick you want it to be, uh, uh, whether you really truly want it to be a ground cover bed or do you want it to be spaced out and then plant, plant stuff in between. Gotcha. I did bring this one. Uh, this is one, a plant called, it's not a ground cover, it's called foxglove or digitalis. And foxglove will actually uh, uh, spike up this spring and make this tall, tall flower mm. with a bunch of little flowers on the spike. Really unique. Uh, you know, uh, one of our clients uh, lives near Mesh's Donuts, and every year he plants these, and people come in and want them. The best time to plant them is now. It's, uh, it's one that you plant in the fall, it grows all winter, and then it spikes these up in the, uh, in the spring. And uh, and they they really perform well. They need more sun than shade. However, they will tolerate shade too, and uh, and and do well. So if you're looking for something unique and different, it'll get about two feet tall with the spike. Uh, uh, these are big leaves here, and yeah. uh, and so e- even the foliage on it is good. But once it starts to spike up, the spike will be about eighteen inches long with a bunch of flowers all around the spike. It's hard to describe. But it uh, it performs very very well. But you got to have a, a early jump on. You, we we sell them in the spring, and you can plant them in the spring. They'll just bloom later. It'll be a shorter bloom time, and uh, it just won't be as uh, showy. Gotcha. Uh, these other two I brought in, which uh, by the way, dianthus is one that could be used as a ground cover in the sun. The reason I brought dianthus in is because a lot of people is call that to it, your left or. That, okay. Yeah, both both of them are. Oh, okay. Yeah. One just has flowers. Well, one has flowers, and, and one's, the one's a, a little bit different. And, and actually, Jeff, I'm really throw you off. This is one also. Oh, okay. It almost looks like monkey grass is coming out of. Com, com, almost completely different plants. But uh, this one right here is actually a ground cover. It can spread. I wouldn't do a ma- uh, you know huge beds, but this dianthus, most people know the dianthus, uh, from years ago, they also called call the carnation flower. It kind of looks like a carnation, but a little bit smaller. But but uh, the uh, as they'll get around four to six inches tall. Great border plant. You can actually mass plant. These are perennials, but they won't bloom in the summer. But this dianthus here has more uh, needle-like leaves. They're not sticky at all, but uh, kind of thinner, narrow leaves. Look completely different from the traditional dianthus, mm-hmm. but they're much better spreaders. So normally a little a little four inch dianthus you'd plant would kind of fill in six inches. This will fill in twelve, fifteen inches by just spreading, and it'll keep coming back from year to year. So if you want something really unique and really different, these will take the cold as much cold as we'll ever get, and uh, uh, but they need sun. So need sun. They, so you need to put these in sun, and these will bloom the best in the fall and winter. And they really don't bloom as much when temperatures start to get hot, but they'll stay green. So you just cut all the dead blooms off, and you have this green ground cover on there. I bought this one, and this was one called Amazon Dianthus. And it's relatively new, probably four or five years old. It has a bigger leaf than the traditional Dianthus, but this one gets taller. This one will get about two feet tall, whereas the, the old traditional Dianthus got about eight inches tall, and this ground cover gets about four to six inches tall. That's the name Amazon. Amazon, and it'll sh- it'll it'll shoot up. Actually, the flowers are much more pronounced uh, because they're, I guess, bigger or more abundant, and they're showier because they're they're much taller. 
all of these do real, really, really, really well. Now's the time to plant them, although we do sell dianthus in the spring, but it kind of gets back to that same store. You know, you plant them in the fall, you get more color. Uh, but the good thing about dianthus as opposed to some of the other stuff is that uh, if you do plant them in the spring, they will over summer and come back. So it's not like you, you're just planting for a few weeks of color. They'll keep coming back. We just got to cut the uh, – uh, uh, the color out. and uh, But, again, they all do really well. And the last one, because we started to get a, a bunch of herbs in, Jeff, and I might leave this in for your cat here, all right? Catnip, <laughs> all right? Oh, no, I'm surprised he hasn't played in that. He's been all over the board today. Okay, well, we're going to leave, and you're going you're gonna to discuss. Uh, but, you know, the cat's kind of an aphrodisiac for cats, and they'll roll in. The biggest thing with the cats is that, uh, my customers tell us that they'll actually roll in this thing and break it up. So they'll do some pruning, but let's see what happens, Jeff, and uh, let's see what happens to your cat. But that's a that's a that's a it's, it's considered an herb, and uh, but uh, again, great for for cats. Uh, a lot of herbs have come in. We have uh, a good assortment of you know rosemary and um, parsley's and. Trying hard to find good onion tops, Jeff, has been hard to get, as well as cilantro, which is the best time to plant. It's just, for some reason this year, it's been uh, real challenging to uh, get it, just like every year. You know, one thing about plants, Jeff, and, and the growers had a struggle this year also. Uh, the summers were really tough on them, and, you know, I talked to one grower, and he said, you know, this summer taught us, you know, where our hot spots were, meaning that normally it doesn't get as intense as it did and but this year it showed us our weak spots within the nursery, and we said we lost some plant material uh, because of that. And uh, um, so the growers struggled. I mean, uh, you know, like one of my vegetable growers lost their whole first crop because of the temperatures. So things are changing, and growers are trying to adjust, and it's just going to take a little bit, uh, a little bit time. Gotcha. Anything else before we let you go? That's it, Jeff. Always a pleasure. I will look forward to the next time. But uh, plant those strawberries now. Thank you, Jeff. You bet.